welcome to Everyday Design, the podcast to empower and educate homeowners on how to best deliver your extension or renovation project to make sure the end result is perfect for your lifestyle, personality and taste. This week is a special episode called Turning Your Project Into Your Profession. Now, normally at this point I introduce myself where I say I'm Abigail Hall, a technical design expert and consultant to the construction industry. I'm also the podcast host of Everyday Design, as you can tell. And this is my podcast to educate and empower homeowners on how to deliver their extension or renovation to create the best possible space for you. It's a principle I called designing happiness. During the lockdown period, a couple of people contacted me as they know I've run my own international design practice and wanted to talk about a career change. They wanted to move into house refurbs, interior design, project management. Basically, they wanted to turn their project into their profession. So here is a guide on how to make that change. Number one, decide which bit of the project you enjoyed the most. If you haven't undertaken a project yet and you're thinking your project might be a profession, just keep an eye out for the bits that you thoroughly enjoyed and the bits you really would never want to do again. And if you've already undertaken a project and you're thinking you perhaps could turn this into your profession, have a think. If you really enjoyed the sourcing, the buying, the negotiation, and I know that's personally something that I love, I feel like I can always find the product that I'm looking for at a slightly better price or slightly better quality, then think about being a quantity surveyor. That role is well established across the entire construction and design industry and they need people who are really fastidious and just go after that perfect detail at the perfect price. If the spatial orientation of your project was something that you just loved planning and playing around with, that's architect or interior designer. Now, I would say that an architect is a professional qualification in the UK that does require for you to have undertaken a certain level of qualifications and on-the-job practice. Do be wary of anyone calling themselves an, an interior architect if they haven't got architectural qualifications, because that's a bit of a no-no to uh, REBA, the Royal Institute of British Architects. But spatial orientation is covered by both disciplines. So if you love it, that could be the route for you. If you just got so excited in the finishes generally, it's interior design. That's the route where you're going to be able to select wallpapers, fabrics, floor coverings, specialist finishes such as frescoes or specialist plaster work. But if you really, really enjoy doing a certain room, a kitchen or a bathroom, for example, you can become a specialist designer in that area. And let me tell you, a good kitchen designer is worth their weight in gold because it's so easy to make really common mistakes that you're going to interact with every single day and is going to annoy you every single day. Or if you're a great kitchen designer, it's going to make your life easier every single day. If you really enjoyed the first fix, be that electrical, plumbing, perhaps even ventilation, cooling, then there is a route for you. The demand for really good and professional electricians and plumbers and MEP specialists is higher than ever. So if you were inclined to enjoy that part of it, you found the problem solving very interesting and you like the way the circuits or the routes connected, I'd encourage you to go down that road. 
And then, of course, there are specialisms. In your own project, you may have come across a requirement for very particular kind of insulation and you really enjoyed the process of finding and specifying that. Perhaps the acoustics of the space were really important to you and you've actually really developed quite a lot of knowledge about it. If you are lucky enough to commission a swimming pool, that's an incredibly technical and structurally complex build. And if you've got that expertise, there's a huge world for you to go into. And if you're a buff in terms of your DVDs or your home cinema, then AV and audio experts are brought into projects to make sure that the sound quality and the vision that you get in everything from your living room all the way through to home cinema to make sure it's perfect. And then there's, of course, the trades that you'll have in your home, be it dry lining, plastering, decorating, joining, fitting. There are so many opportunities to be hands-on on projects. And if you're drawn to the garden over and over, drawn back outside, then maybe landscape architecture might be for you. Or even something more niche, such as a green roofing specialist. And thinking about outside, perhaps the thing that really got you excited and your creative juices flowing was creating a children's play area. And that's an entire road that you can go down of designing, manufacturing and installing those. And actually, if the thing you loved the most was coordinating all of those elements, then there's project management of a design, fit-out or construction project. Number two, would you want to do this new profession as an employed or self-employed person? Now, this really does make a difference because I'm going to encourage every single person, even if you've done your own project, to go to a college or do a distance learning to get some form of qualification or expanded learning on this. You might think you covered every eventuality on your own project, but believe me, there is always something else to learn. If you'd like to be employed, I'm going to really encourage you to go and look for a college or professional body that does training, which offers apprenticeships or placements. It must offer you links into the industry because it's likely this is how you will find your first job, unless you're very good at networking and very good at persuading someone to take you on. If you're thinking about being self-employed, I would encourage you to look for a qualification on a course which also offers a full business management module. You'll need to learn how to market yourself, how to quote, to negotiate, to deal with disputes, employing people, contracts and the thing all self-employed people fear the most, dealing with HMRC. I joke about it being complicated. Both of them have got their own challenges and it's what you feel is right in your heart that you want to do. But try and decide from the outset so you can find a course that will suit you. Number three, what do you want to be known for? Now, I'm going to use design as an example when I talk about this as a discipline because that's my background. In design, you've basically got two choices of how you can run your practice. The first is easy. It's all about your look and your style. So let's say your look is, maybe it's mid-century, maybe it's shabby chic, oligarch, minimalist, whatever it might be, whatever your look that you've settled upon and you think, yeah, oh my God, I found the look. It's amazing. I've developed it over the course of the project. Everyone who comes in just says it's amazing. That's your look. And you will find a customer who resonates with that taste and with that style. The other option is to be more consultative. 
So first of all, you go in and you listen to your client and then you design to suit what they would want. Now, what that means is you may end up designing something that actually isn't necessarily your taste. But what I would always say is it's not your house. You don't have to live in it. It's for them. So whichever one you ultimately settle with, I would encourage you to focus on that and don't try and flip flop between the two because it's very confusing for the outside world. The really good part about having your own distinctive style is people can look at your portfolio of projects and they'll be really, really clear on the kind of thing that they're going to get. And sometimes in the industry, we might tease certain people because they've got such a strong look. It's undeniably them. Although I wouldn't go to Vivian Westwood for a really minimal shift dress. So I think there is something in having a really strong look. Saying that, as the consultative process where you listen to your customer and then design something that's unique for them, you will find that you're able to have a broader appeal. And it might be that one person recommends their best friend to work with you because they've had such a wonderful experience, yet actually the look the best friend wants is completely different. And you're not having to force your style onto someone that that's not right for. There are ways of applying this to other areas. So I've been talking about design, but if you're a specialist plasterer, you might have a specialist plaster finish that certain people know you for and love you for. And so that would be category one. That's your look. It might be that you say, I don't need to impose my views upon someone else. They come to me and if that's what they want, that's fantastic. Number four, are you aware that you won't be the client? On your own project, you're entitled to have 4,000 pins on Pinterest for one particular choice. You can take seven months to choose the perfect tap. It's your project, it's your prerogative. But is it reasonable and cost-effective to do this for someone else? Also, how are you going to feel if the individual who is your client doesn't like your choices or doesn't like your opinions? Because that is the reality of working in an industry where you are supplying something for someone else to live with. Are you aware that not every single person is going to act like you on a building, refurbishment or extension project? You might have been really amicable and totally laid back about the dust, the dirt, the noise, the disruption, the fact it's run over, not because that was anyone's fault, but because, you know, you dug down and found out the foundations weren't quite as good as you thought they were. It's great that you were like that, Do you suspect that everyone else is? And if someone takes that out on you, are you going to enjoy that process just as much? Number five, build a team of trusted contacts. The Everyday Design podcast relies on experts. These are people I've met along the way who are the absolute best in their field. And we need these people to connect with, to chat to, to bounce ideas off. And more often than not, to refer work to and to collaborate with. Very few people in the design, fit out or construction world can do everything that the client first comes and asks them for. It's quite often you'll need to engage a specialist to help you along the way. And that leads me very neatly onto item six. Don't take on something you aren't qualified to do. Now there is a specialist insurance called professional indemnity insurance and that's designed to protect you so that if the work that you've done has failed in some way you are protected that 
only works to the point that you are qualified to have done that work. I am not an electrical engineer. I know where I want lights to go. I know where I want my sockets to be. And I might even mark those up on a plan. I would call that a small power plan. And I would identify. I would tell them how high they're going to be off the floor, how far they're going to be from a corner. But there's absolutely no way that I would get involved in describing how the circuit should be wired, how many devices or sockets could be on a particular circuit. No, I would bring in someone from the NICEIC who is a body who is qualified to help me do that. So if a client comes to you or a customer comes to you and says, really what I would like is for you to do what you're really good at, but I also want X, Y and Z and I'm only interested in being done in one project, that's where your team of trusted contacts come in. You can collaborate together, cost together, so the project can be done together. But please, whatever you do, if you're not qualified, if you're not sure, don't have a go. This is someone's house. There's no way that you can chance this. And the consequences of going wrong are really big and aren't worth any job, no matter what the paycheck. And finally, number seven, get to know your new industry because it is absolutely ginormous. When I first started out as a humble interior designer and project manager, I never had any idea that I would go on to run an international fit-out practice where I did millionaires' homes. I've gone on to build a Victorian village for a TV programme. I've designed and installed secure diamond lifts into a specialist organisation's head office and I'm now working on a UNESCO World Heritage Site. The process of design it, buy it, build it, or refurb it, applies to every structure that you see. And you just have to find the one that you love and that you resonate with to work in this industry. In this episode, I've talked about my own experience a little bit. And I want to tell you some of the places that I went to when I went through this process of turning my project into my profession. I worked with KLC, an amazing design college in Chelsea, who do distance learning and on-site diplomas. They're fantastic and have really, really good links with the industry. I still now continually develop myself and a really good podcast that I've recently come upon that I recommend for anyone thinking about turning your project into your profession is a podcast called Side Hustle. Links for this will be in the show notes. I mentioned Reba and they really have got an absolutely fantastic website with a huge source of information which can help you build that trusted professional network that I'm talking about. It also has products on there. So irrespective of which field you want to be in, even if you think you're not going to do something particularly design related, for example, project management or quantity surveying, there's still information on there that I think you will find useful. And finally, I mentioned the NIC EIC, which is a really good body, which gives information for electrical contractors and the requirement for Part P certification with residential development and a really good source if you're interested in getting into the electrical side. And if you should have any questions about me, about my experience or about turning your project into your profession, please contact me. For more information on today's show, any links I've mentioned, 
or to find other episodes, please go to our website, eddpodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at eddpodcast. And please subscribe and rate this podcast as it helps other homeowners learn how to design their happiness. Thank you for listening. I've been Abigail Hall and this has been Everyday Design.